Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Glory to the name of the Lord. Just raise your hands and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise your name. Because you are good. You are God Almighty, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of having sound and song that we can sing to you and worship you and express from our hearts in that way that you have eternally created for us to be beings that will hear sounds and create sounds and have music. Hallelujah. There is not a chord or an instrument that you are unaware of. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that as we go into the next part of the service, every heart is ready to receive. Every mind is quieted from distractions and focused on hearing from what you have to say. I thank you, Lord, that ears are ready to hear. And I thank you that your word will, in, will penetrate our hearts, will penetrate the barriers that have been set up by the filters of culture and, and all kinds of baggage that we might have in our lives. And that you would deeply touch us and change us by your spirit and by your word today. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, then say amen. amen. You may be seated. Oh, before you sit down, just say, hello, I'm glad you're in church today. Thank you that you're here. And all the good things. Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. Welcome. I'm glad you're in church this morning. I really am. Because if I, you know, for too long in COVID, we've preached to empty chairs. And it's much better to have people in church. Don't you feel good about being in church? It's something much more special about being with other people in church. There's a stronger anointing. There's the Holy Spirit here. It's just a good thing. Hallelujah. No wonder the devil tried to stop it. Huh? Yeah, but not anymore, ne? Hallelujah. Well, this is going to be a glory, glory time in the next couple of weeks. Just want you to know that we are starting construction as soon as possible. Outside on the building by the car park there, right outside the building, we are starting construction, uh, hopefully this week, on a deck that will eventually allow us to break open from... Are you coming to preach, baby? Sorry, phone. I left it here. So, um, <clears throat> I thought she's coming to take over the service. Yeah, you know, maybe there's a prophetic anointing that's come on her or something. But uh, anyway, um, we're going to break out. We're going to create a deck, um, and uh, we are going to sink a kind of small swimming pool, actually, because um, that's the, the, the best that we can do right now. 
you know, sink a swimming pool in the deck and then we'll be able to close the swimming pool during the week and use the deck for us to sit on as a, as a, as a working team where we can have coffee outside and chat outside and have things going on outside. Um, but we, the first phase is just to create a deck so we can have a swimming pool so we can do baptismal services. Amen. <laughs> and hopefully we'll have that done well as soon as we can. We're, we're going to try and do it and get it done as quick as we can because the Lord is really wanting me to do baptism services. And um, if you all want to get baptized, I can do that. Not, not in one day. I have to work out between now and then. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of things that God's doing and already... Already he is proving himself to be big and bold for us in this year beyond my wildest expectations. There are things that happened even in this week that uh, is, is really is beyond my wildest expectation. And uh, we're just waiting to uh, have final conversations and set out terms of agreement and let, letters of... Uh, Letters of agreement and usage, but uh, God has made some land available to us in Slipstream, but a thousand hectares of land uh, available to us that we can run it <coughs> and manage it on behalf of the owners and create single tracks, running tracks, cycling tracks, and it'll be all ours. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you what, it doesn't take a long, long for the Lord to say, be big and bold in 2000 and version 2 in 22, and then he shows up. And I'd say that's the open hand of God extended towards us. Don't you think? Yes. Yes, with abundance and increase and blessing. Praise the Lord. I've been talking about the power of resurrection. The resurrection of power of Christ Jesus that lives in your, that is inside of you. You are a Christian because Jesus died and he rose again. The power that caused Jesus to be raised from the dead is the same power that raised you from your death because you were dead in the world. You, had, you were not alive to Jesus Christ. You were dead. But it raised your spirit man to new life. It's that same power that when your body dies, your spirit goes immediately into heavenly eternity. And you have life with Jesus for eternity. Same power that heals people. It's the same power that, call, that, that is available to you to change your financial circumstances. It's the power of God that changes everything. That power didn't just manifest itself in raising Jesus from that dead. That power was always in him, the Father eternally. It just showed up that way to raise Jesus from the dead. That same power is in you. That same power 
is in you. Hallelujah. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have residence in your body by means of your spirit man. So if you are born again Christian, if you have said, I make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, I invite him to be my Lord and Savior, and I recognize that I need him as my Savior, and you have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, then the same power lives inside of you. There's not just a little bit of Jesus that lives in you or a little bit of the Holy Spirit that lives in you or a little bit of the Father. In your spirit, your spirit man is completely a new creature. It is the person of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit who lives in your spirit. You are a new creature. It didn't cause my hair to start growing out again. So what part of me is a new creature? My spirit man. So there's a few things that must change. My body is going to change whether I like it or not because God has given me a set amount of time and a set amount of years on the earth. And he called me to be on the earth at this time. And here I am because he he purposed me to be here. He predestined me. He foreordained and called me before he even created the earth. I was in him and he said at this time and place, I would be here to do what he's asking me to do now. But I have a set time on the earth to do what he's asked me to do. And the time will come when I will have no more energy left in my body or the time will come for my body to lay down. Let's rather put it that way. It will be time for my body to lay down and no longer contain my spirit and my soul and that will be the time where my spirit and my soul will go into eternity and it will be be present before God and it will represent all of what I did on the earth and eternally what my spirit man and my soul will carry before the Father will either be burnt up like hay and stubble or it will be presented to him with gold and silver and precious stones depending on what I did while I was on the earth. That is a truth. That's not just a fact, it's the truth. So it doesn't matter if you've spent 70 years of your life following your own purpose and not considering God as part of designing your life, you know now. And God is the God of redeeming time and he can cause you to do in seven years of your 70 year life to redeem all of the previous 70 years. He really can by his power, by resurrection power. Hallelujah. Well, how is that possible? Well, I mean, I I don't know all the things that God can do, but for example, he might cause you to just pray, pray in the spirit or pray for God to raise up men and women on the earth that would preach the name of Jesus. There was someone who prayed Billy Graham into the earth like that and Billy Graham into his ministry like that. That person then, you could possibly say, redeemed all of their time on the earth through Billy Graham's ministry. And then all of the people that was touched later. God, there's a lot of things that God can do to redeem your assignment and your purpose for being on the earth. So I just want to read to you. I've got quite a lot to get through today. 
But I just want to read to you our foundation scripture, which is in Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4 in the Passion, passage, uh, passion Translation. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we yearn. We are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, all honor and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, you who really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him in his glory. Hallelujah. You are now one with him in his glory. You are now one with him in his glory. Last week, I was talking about the concept of oneness and next week, I'll get back to that. And we're going to have a a dramatic service next week. Let's just put it that way. You will see some drama on the stage next week in a most unexpected way. The Lord has given me a visualization of how I can explain to you and you might see what this means. But I have been speaking to you about the oneness that we have a, we have a, we don't have a full concept of uh, uh, unless it's the Holy Spirit that helps you understand it. We don't have a full understanding of oneness because the oneness that you ex- experience is the oneness with yourself. So you have a desire, you have a thought, you have an action, and it all flows interconnected. And it's so in oneness with yourself that however you choose to develop your oneness, you become used to the oneness that is yourself. But then when you become, when you have to take your oneness and connect it to someone else's oneness, that concept is rather challenging and difficult to for people to understand. And it's the reason why relationships, marriages and relationships have so many challenges because it's the concept of oneness that gets in the way. I as one want what I want as one. And you as one want what you want as one. And where we come together and we can't create a oneness in our together onenesses, I know know it's not good English, but bear with me. So that margin there of where we come together and we're trying to create a oneness, that's where we are always challenged with each other. So the way to have a oneness in relationship, and if the same happens with finances, the same happens in all aspects of our lives, is that when anything is busy developing or happening in your life, it's, it's your oneness that is viewing a circumstance or viewing a person or viewing a situation that you've come into contact with. And you're always looking for the place where you can either withdraw back into your oneness and be comfortable and satisfied or go out of your oneness and get into agreement with and have the power and the satisfaction and the joy of a oneness of where you come together. Hallelujah. It's 
Why the power of agreement? Because agreement is a point of oneness. <clears throat> Last week I read to you the scripture from 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, for just, for the just and the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and being made alive by the Spirit. So I talked about the fact that he died to bring me to God. Remember, I said to you, and I had you all say this together with me, bring me to God. He brought me to God, right? In other words, he suffered so there's no barriers between you and God, nothing. There is no barrier. Whatever barrier happens to be between you and God is either a barrier of deception or it's a barrier of self-choice, that oneness that you choose to be one with you rather than one with God. So wherever you choose always to be one with yourself without including God in your oneness or making God the point of your oneness, the point of your oneness that is your own self-oneness is always going to be the place where you fall short. That's where we have our challenges in life. It's where we don't have oneness with God, we have oneness with ourselves, and He's not the focal point or the foundation of oneness. His desire for you is to be with God and to be in God and for His desires to be your desires. When His desires become your desires, that oneness is unstoppable and it literally can change and move anything that is in your life. Anything and everything. There is nothing that can stop you from getting done what God wants you to get done. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Christ suffered and died for sins once and for all. The innocent for the guilty to bring you near to God by his body being put to death. He wants you to be near to God. If you remember, I said he wants you every day for you to breathe and live and you have, should, should have a singular focus and that be, should be to draw near to God. Not to focus on anything else. You should have a singular focus of drawing near to God. And in a, a moment in this service, I'm going to show you again with some drama, I'm going to show you what, how this is going to operate and how, how this functions practically in your life. So stay connected with me. Stay in oneness with my message today. All right? Don't allow your mind to go to too many different places. Try and stay connected to me. Because in this message, because the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you through some of the practical things He's given me to, to show you today. If you remember, I read to you from John chapter 14, and I'm only going to focus on verse 10. He talks about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's that message. It's that passage of Scripture. But verse 10 says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak aren't mere words. I don't just make up my own. Make up the, don't make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine Act. 
I really like that. In other words, I'm not just speaking any kind of word. Every word that I speak is crafted as a divine word. That will tell you that Jesus didn't live casually or just speak words for the sake of making people comfortable around him socially. When he spoke, he always spoke what God was telling him to speak. If, it, if God was telling him to speak and say something to make people feel comfortable socially, then those were God's words that, craft, that he crafted in him to make them feel that way. And that, that did happen from time to time. But he didn't just speak it for the sake of speaking. Some of you might say, well, that's a fairly boring place to live. It's a very powerful place to live. I'm going to read this in a different translation in the Amplified, and it reads the same verse. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Oneness. What I'm telling you, I do not say on my own authority or on my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me, continually. In other words, if something's continuous, there's no break. The Father who lives continually in me, he does his works and his own miracles and deeds of power. So Jesus is saying, it's not me who does the deeds of power. It's the Father who lives in me that's doing his deeds. I'm just the vessel. And I even said to you last week, whatever I stand up here and whatever I do up here, I am the vessel and I do the best that I can to prepare myself to be a proper vessel used by him so that the message that he wants to speak to you and how he wants to touch you uh, gets through to you. It's been many, many, many times. It happens every week just about, actually, that people, uh, people come and say to me, Pastor John, that message, you don't know just how close and how accurate that message was for me. And sometimes they actually think, it has happened occasionally that they've had meetings with Pastor Christie in the week or someone else in the week and they've spoken their stuff out and they think that Pastor Christie has spoken to me and that I'm in the, in the pulpit actually speaking what she told me about them. When none of that's happened. I'm just before God and what God is gives me a message and he ministers it to you in such a way that it's so relevant to you that actually you think Pastor Christie has been talking about you. To me, say it's a clickback. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She's, she's, she's been telling him everything I said in the meeting. No, no, not a word. Most of the time, 99% of the time, I'll preach a message and then Pastor Christie will come to me. I know, do we say, Pastor John, you don't know what happened. Last week, I talked to so-and-so and you said everything in the church, I said to them in the private there. You couldn't know how much you said in the Sunday that actually we talked about in private. I said, no, I don't. I didn't know that you had that conversation. Well, that's the Holy Spirit because I'm just a vessel. He's ministering his words to you. That's right. Hallelujah. So the Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. Hey, I tell you what, if you begin to live your life so united to the words that you speak, that everything you speak is a divine craft. I'm crafting a divine thing in front of me right now. I spoke to you about relationship and uh, said that 
it comes from two Latin words and it actually means uh, to produce, to produce. The word relate also in a different dictionary says to relate one's self or to vent thoughts in words. I also said to you that the best definition that I could find about relationship or relating is a state of connectedness between people. Praise the Lord. John chapter 14, verse 23 says, Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. So it starts in your heart that you would love, love Jesus. I have found myself in recent, in recent months, I found myself waking up in the mornings and, and my words that have been coming out of my mouth have been along these lines. My father, my loving heavenly father, my Father, you are so precious and so real and so wonderful to me, my Father. And it's been, it's been a really uh, amazing thing that the Holy Spirit has been guiding me and leading me that I would speak the words that Jesus prayed, our Father, which art in heaven, glory, most magnificent is your name. You know, and I found myself in, in the first minutes, the first part of, of my time with the Lord, speaking words to the Father. Because I find that as I speak those words, the connectedness between me and Him is, no, is by the Holy Spirit, He empowers me to connect, to reach into the love of God, which is in my spirit man, to become an expression of my soul and it brings me into his presence and, and I have an understanding and a recognition of his presence because I honor him as my first part of the day. And my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. This is the desire of the Father. Can I read it to you again? Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. This is an amazing place to be. Make you our dwelling place. Verse 27 says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but the perfect, my perfect peace. So don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 in the New King James Version says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom all the whole family, that's you, if you're born again, you are in the family of God, from whom the whole family and, and earth, in heaven and earth, is named. You are named 
because Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. We are named as children of the Most High God. Wow. I pray that this becomes a revelation in your heart, that you are a child of the Most High God. I would like to, I'm going to show you, uh, I'm going to show you my, 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 my graphic in a minute to, to be able to speak to this both today and next week. But I want to just explain to you that every being that has been born onto the earth, now there's a lot of intellectuals that will want to try and focus or shift the attention of how you were born into the earth rather than the fact that you were born into the earth. So the how is the reason why people permit abortion. Because they say, if someone has conceived a child and it was conceived out of lust, if it was conceived out of violence or rape, if it was conceived outside of the time of your life where your will or your circumstances would permit you to have the ideal environment to raise a child, if you conceive a child at that time, you can abort that child because the how and the timing is not conducive to a child coming into the earth. So people focus on the how and the timing rather than on the why. And it's convenient for them to do that because it's convenient to abort a spirit that they don't believe was breathed by God in heaven. So they say, how can a spirit be brought into the earth through violence, for example, rape? How can a spirit be done? Let me tell you, God is not a God who is confused. And he, it's, it, the act of how is not, is not the reason why God wants or doesn't want someone in the earth. When the time comes for him to breathe a being into the earth, if that's the act that brings the being into the earth, then that's the time that God will bring that being into the earth. But people say because of the how, the why, or the purpose of their, birth, their being born into the earth cannot be significant. Sometimes it's the people that have been born into the earth in the most extreme hardships that go on into, and, and, and become and do tremendous and great things in the earth. So that's not an excuse. but they want to take it away from the fact that right before anything was ever formed in eternity, God already had you in his mind and he already knew you and he already knew what time of, time of, the, of, of the eternal timetable and the earth timetable, what is the time to insert you into the earth? Because he needed you, your gift, your talent, your calling, your everything, he needed you in the earth right now to make it personal. You, right now, right here. You are not here by mistake. He wanted you to be here. And so, time comes from eternity into earth for this very brief time. And while he's here, he wants you to understand oneness 
He wants you to understand the oneness with Him, the oneness with Christ, the oneness of the body, so that you, for this period of time while you're alive, can represent the the, the power of Christ and who Christ is in the body of Christ, you can re- represent him to all the principalities and all of the creatures in the universe. And so when you go, there are others that will come that will continue that and continue that because he wants you to be the representation of Jesus to the ages that have been past and the ages to come. So we don't serve a small-minded God. Hallelujah. I, 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 I'd love to have a conversation with you about, about the multi-dimensions of God and time and that if God who is light and therefore operates everything in his realm at light, people will tell you that if you could travel at the speed of light, you could literally live in a thousand years as one day. Mathematically, it's been proven. And so if God lives in light, then he lives in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a life form that is not measured by time. So eternity has no boundaries of time. Eternity is him in light in any moment of time. In any moment of being, he chooses to be present. He be present in that moment of time, in that moment, in the space of his being, wherever and whenever and whatever, because time isn't his limiting factor. So he can live on so many dimensions of God himself in so many different places, in so many different spaces, in so many different ways, because he is completely outside of the form of time. We can only think in a three-dimensional linear component, but God has so many dimensions to himself outside of where we be that we think we can understand him. He expects us to have faith that he who he is has got a plan and purpose for us and that where we are, he can both look at you in your moment where you are right now and he says, I can be in where you've been 10 years before you are here. Well, how can you be back 10 years ago? I can be back where you were 10 years ago because in me, there is no beginning and end. Come on now. Maybe I'm blowing your mind a little bit, but... I want you to understand that in, there is no beginning and end in God and there's no shadow of turning in God and everything that ever was and everything that is and everything that ever will be is all in Him. So He is always ever present at every place forever. And so it doesn't matter that you think you are 50 years old, He is also present with you still when you were just born. How is that possible? Well, because time is not something that he's living in. He's living in real time, all time with himself, with you. So therefore, when you give your heart to him and you say, God, I recognize that I have a purpose and a plan. What he does is he says, okay, okay, I can redeem time for you. Trust me. How are you going to do that? I'm going to start to do things that, I, I know that 
you have, I've forgiven you, so I don't remember all the sins, but I remember the decisions you made where you served me and the seeds that you sowed in your service to me. And I'm going to use all of those back in your time to create a harvest in this time and in the time to come that will redeem the seeds that you sowed in that time. And there were people that were praying for you before you knew they were praying for you because I led them to intercede for things they didn't even know they were praying for in the Spirit. Howbeit he that prays in the Spirit prays out the things of the Spirit and you cannot understand them in your natural mind, but you pray them out by the Holy Spirit. You pray out the perfect will. So I've had people praying for you before you were even born praying by the Spirit. They didn't know what they were praying for, but I used those prayers for you. And so I use that seed and your seed and your things that you gave to me and I will bring you back onto your ancient path, onto your ancient assignment, onto the purpose why you were born and I can go back and make all the good decisions that you made and all the seeds that were sown for you. Just give me your heart and your faith now. That's right. Uh, you can have that for free today. <laughs> So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things. We may grow up. In all things. Grow up, eh? Grow up. Uh, but I'm an I'm a adult and I'm old. You can still grow up. That means grow up. So... Even though I'm, I consider myself, and based on the Word of God, the Word considers me to, to be a spiritually mature being because I have not just natural knowledge, head knowledge, understanding of the ways of the Spirit, but I have an understanding of revelation of the ways of God. And because of the way that I have walked with God, God would say, I am an elder in the church. I'm a teacher not just because of my calling, but also because of my walk. Hello? So, but I can still grow up. I've still got growing to do. Because all things is a lot of things. Right? Into Him, the all things into Him. Who is the head? Christ. From whom the whole body, that's all of us, knit together by what every joint supplies. Can you please do me a favor and raise just one hand, any hand, please raise one hand, any hand, and say when God says he's talking about my joints, he's not talking about this joint. <laughs> Come on, say it's not this joint. It's not this joint. He's talking about me being joined. So if God's called you, let's just say he's called you with a gift and he's called you to be in the earth at this time, then he's called you also to be in the body of Christ at this time. So then you can't be joined to the whole universal church. Of course you are, that too, in Christ. But you can't have a relationship with the whole universal church. 
So when you raised your hand, hey, when you raised your hand, was your hand slapping your leg? I dare you to take the same hand and keep it up there and slap your leg at the same time. Come on, let's see if anybody can do a Houdini here today. <laughs> no, it's not impossible for your hand to be here and there at the same time. Right? So people that have an argument that say, I'm part of the universal church so I can stay at home and watch TV and grow and I can watch and do this and I can't be joined. What you're saying is that I'm disconnecting my arm, my hand or my forearm from my body and I'm going to let it roam away around there so that it can go where it wants to go. You can't do that. It's impossible. It's got to be joined somewhere. So you've got to be joined to the church in a church. And so when God sets you in a church, it means he wants you to be joined there for a reason. Because he wants this part of the arm to be connected to that part of the arm. And you're it. Uh, I don't think I'll go and be part of the church. I don't like this church. I don't like this. Well, just cut your arm off. See how well you do. I promise you, you're going to bleed a lot. You're going to bleed a lot, a lot. This part of the body becomes very painful. And what happens is that you can still save this part of the body because you have to have surgery here, cauterization here. It means you've got to stop the blood flowing to the rest of the joint that's now been cut. But this joint has no more blood supply. So it doesn't matter that your joint is saved. Your joint can't do anything that you're supposed to do in Christ. It becomes lifeless, bloodless, dead tissue. Eventually, it will corrupt and decay which is why so many Christians are out there in the world with the aroma of death around them because they live like the world because they can't live any other way because they're disconnected from the church. So they live in a corrupted, decayed position of living in the world. I'm preaching so well this morning. You might as well say amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. That's why it's important that you've got to be connected to the church. I'll tell you what happens is that sometimes people get dislocated from the body that they are connected to. A dislocation is not an irreparable condition. It just means that it's painful and it's out of joint. You can live with that pain for as long as you, li- as you are re- willing to put up with the pain. But you should just go to someone that can help you be located instead of dislocated. The minute you stop the dislocation, you function normally. At least you didn't go as far as bleeding. Hallelujah. So from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share and causes growth 
of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So whatever you're doing, you're helping me to grow because you bring love and you bring stuff to the body that I need. You, you and me, we connected. Your life helps me live. And my life helps you live. And we stay healthy and alive. And the person sitting next to you, go like this, same a thing. So say it, same a thing. We keep each other alive. Ah, oh, but you offended me. I don't like you. You said something I didn't like. Okay, be dislocated for a bit. It's painful. I know. But just be get located again. Let someone come and fix it. Get a, get a Holy Ghost doctor. You know, it's, it's your friend. It's the brother that's going to tell you the truth that says, hey, you dislocated. You dislocated. You're not properly connected here. You, your joint's hanging. It's your brother that can see it because he's right next to you. And he hears your words and he sees your pain because he's feeling the pain because you've got pain that you bring to him. This is so good on so many different levels. So can I have my first slide, please? Okay, I'm giving, I, I want to just show you that this, this, this man here is a, is a being, and I've put the heart there because I'm wanting you to see that, that this man's spirit man and his soul and his will is inside of his body. Remove body, that heart, that spirit man goes to be with God. Or hell, separated for God eternally, from God eternally, if Jesus is not his Lord and Savior. Okay, next slide, please. So I know you can't read this too well. Don't worry, I've got another slide coming that actually will show you everything that's in this heart. But I'm wanting to show you that the next slide you're gonna see that everything that you are living with comes from there. It's the reason why the book of Proverbs says, guard your heart, heart because out of it flows all the issues of life. So everything that you are living with comes out of the inner being of your heart. Go to the next slide, please. Is that big enough? No, there we go. I'm just gonna skip right to the next slide. I wonder if the, the, the previous slide was just to show you that I'm, what I'm talking about is in your heart. Okay, so this is the slide that I want, to, I want to talk to you about. God is the center of you. He's in the middle of your heart, right? Should be. He is. Whether you let him be or not, he is. If you're born again. Who and how is God going to touch your life? It's on the board. <laughs> it's going to touch you through the church. 
So I'm not trying to confuse you here. I'm just trying to make it simple because when you live in oneness with yourself as a Christian, what you tend to want to say is inside of me is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I don't need anybody outside of what's in me. But God has pre already said, and I've just read to you, that you cannot grow up into all things unless you're part of the whole body that's knit together. So you can't actually develop yourself anywhere, any place, unless it's through the church. So most people will talk to you about the church as being a congregation of people where church people, Christians, congregate. And so churches, a lot of churches around the world are measuring their effectiveness by how many people congregate together or how many people they can touch with the message as a congregation. But that's not what the church is. The church is a body that God has put together that is actually referred to in the New Testament by Jesus as the Ecclesia, and the Ecclesia is His government on the earth. And He intends to. It's His desire to. It's His purpose that you and us together govern the things that touch our world together. I'm talking about relationships because that means I can't govern, I can't govern my world without you helping me govern because you are part of the Ecclesia. So I need your gift. I need your calling. I need your devotion to Him. I need all of your things that are inside of you to complete me, to help me grow. My growth and your growth allows God to have a whole body that he can call to say, you need each other to govern your environment and to govern your future. If you think you can govern your future without the church, the ecclesia, then you're just saying, God called me to myself, for myself, by myself, with myself. And like I said, you're dislocated. Maybe you're even dismembered, disjointed, dismembered. I, I dare you to go and just go into a, an electronic Bible. You can go online to an electronic Bible and you can find a concordance and go and look up any word in the Bible on an online Bible if you don't, if you don't have access to one and go and look up decay, corruption, death, and find out if there's anything in your life that you can find that says you can live life without the body of Christ. Go find out and see what happens to you when you become disjointed, dismembered. I follow my own purpose for my own self, for my own cause, for my own reasons, and my talent and my gift has allowed me to be doing whatever I choose to do. I wonder what would happen. Just hear me out now for a moment. I wonder what would happen if Elon Musk was born again and he realized that his calling was to the body of Christ and not to Wall Street. I wonder what would happen 
if he could, if he could transition, which is part of the reason why the Bible says more difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to enter into the eye of the needle. It's not impossible, it's not impossible for a rich man to be born again. Because a rich man that's born again sees himself as part of the congregation. It's part of the church. But being part of the church still allows me to be oneness with myself and not worry about you. You are also part of the church. You're supposed to do what you're supposed to do with Jesus and I must do what I'm supposed to be doing with Jesus. Carry on. I can be one with myself. And so it only makes me responsible for me and what I must do. God never called you to be only responsible for you. I've got news for you. God called you to be responsible for everybody that's in this auditorium today. If you are part of this church and you're called here, and if you're listening to this message and you don't have a church to go to, this is the one you're supposed to be at. How do I know that? Because you're here. And you're hearing this message that you won't hear in most other churches. And so if you're here today or you're watching online, then God wants you to be part of what we're doing. Because if you're, here, if you're listening to us, then you should be in church. And for those people that are in Joburg that are inconvenienced to come here, I say, stick to your conviction, not your convenience. Dr. Tutoy, please would you tell me how many years you've been traveling with your family every Sunday to church from your farm? Since 2010. That means about 11 years. Dr. Zelda Dutoy, would you agree, concur with his timing more or less? I'm just making sure the doctors are in agreement with each other. <laughs> So how old are you, Yatir? 14. So that means you started traveling to church every Sunday when Yatir was three. Mika, how old are you? 15. So he was four. How far did you travel? How far do you travel every Sunday? One way is 120 kilometers. You've been doing that for 11 years. That's because you received the revelation that you needed to be in the body. Even though you have weekly prayer meetings on your farm, right? With us. Because we understand that actually to come and be here twice a week at night, it's a bit challenging with kids doing school and all that kind of stuff. But you know you have to be part of this body. So you come here every week because you have to be in this body, right? It's been happening for 11 years. How old are you? 18. And Tishri? 20. She 20 already. <laughs> I remember doing her school talk end of year graduate. How old was she when I did that? Seven or something? Eight. I went all the way to Morgenzorn to do that graduation speech. Eight years old. Uh, they asked one of the things she had to ask, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a Buddha. I want to be a boo. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And now 20 year old Tishri, she's following the plan and purpose of God for her life and she's here. Because they took the, they made the decision to do all these years. And by the way, they, there's no end in sight for them unless they end up buying a house here and living here on weekends, which is a possibility because more of their kids are coming here. Yeah. Hello? Yes. If you choose your life because of convenience rather than conviction, then anything will stop you from coming to where God needs you to be. Then you're no longer taking responsibility for someone else's growth. You're only taking responsibility for your oneness. And God is saying, never let your convenience be the reason for why you do anything. Let your conviction be the thing that drives your life. That same conviction that you have with your calling, uh, with your gifting and with your talent that causes you to get stuff done in life, use that. Because the church is everything you've got. Oh, but no, Pastor John, I've got assignment, I've got finances, I've got relationships, I've got a career I've got to follow, I've got, re- I've got to have some rest and recreation, and I've got to do health and fitness or eating, whatever you want to put in that category. I've just put a few categories there to give us kind of a holistic thing. Oh, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. I just want to... Will you guys excuse me for a minute, yeah? This is really just quite important, yeah. Answer it. <laughs> hey, babe. Uh, um, listen, this is really important. I went on our way home. I need you to please stop and buy milk and bread and uh, uh, um, we run out of yogurt. There's a few things we need at home and, uh, and maybe something, you know, some cheese or some stuff. Can you do that on the way home? Yeah, yeah okay. All right, okay, All right. thank you. Are you happy about this phone call I just made? <laughs> Wait, I've got another phone call I've got to make. <laughs> hey, Matt. You know that uh, microphone thing that we've been talking about for the church, yeah? Matt, Matt can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, we need at least two or three different models that we can try, demo equipment that we can try some stuff, and, and I want a top-range one, a mid-range one, and, and, and maybe something that's, uh, uh, you know, a couple of the options we talked about. Can we try and arrange it for next week? Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks. Cheers. Are you happy about those phone calls I just made? Hey? Not really, hey? Why? Because what am I doing right now? I'm in the sweet spot of my assignment. My calling is working for everybody right now. But I have many issues. So if you see this as a wheel and the wheel that's turning, 
My walk with God and our walking and our relationship with God is like a turning wheel. There's a part of my day that touches my career. There's a part of my day that is touching my assignment. There's a part of my day that's touching my eating, my health and my wellness. There's a part of my day that's that's connecting with other relationships. So when God is working in your life, He's always working through the church to every part of your life. But in this moment right now, I'm on a pressure point, on on that wheel there. What am I busy doing? I'm on assignment, right? So if you turn that wheel and it was a turning wheel, then suddenly all of the weight of the wheel, call it a car's wheel, all of the weight is on that moment, on that place. I should not be making phone calls to people to go shopping for me and microphones because right now my focus is here. So when you're walking with God, you have this, you have this, this uh, thing that's going on in your life the whole time. Now, when I walk out of here, and so now if you were in my office before the church service start, you will know that unfortunately there's a cycling event happened yesterday and a cyclist who was, who was being naughty on the way that they rode on the, on the road actually, but unfortunately it cost him his life. And he was killed on his bicycle yesterday. And so being part of the cycling community, we have been asked to be present today for a memorial ride with our bicycles in remembrance of him by the family. And so we are going to do that. So in the back there, I was talking about some of those arrangements that's happening this afternoon. So even though I'm focused on my assignment, as the wheel is turning, there's a component where there's a part that is touching on some of the relationship issues and some of the other issues as the wheel is turning, but my fullness of my assignment is about to kick in. And so I can't come here and start making phone calls on lunch and dinner and stuff. Right now, this is what I've got to be doing. So that's how God works with you and me in all of our life. He might be in a moment where he says to you, John, I know you're shopping in Woolworths, but I need you to be aware of my presence right now. There's a man standing next to you. Tell him that I love him and that I'm taking care of him no matter what. Oh no, Lord, I've got no time for you. You are my ecclesia. I need to govern in his life because his life is about to be threatened by the enemy. I need to govern in his life. And you, the church, must function here. Eh? I might be running on my bicycle. And the Lord may tell me to say, to stop right now. Stop, John, stop. You know what? I'm riding on my bicycle. Hey, guys, can we just stop for a minute? Sure, sure. What's going on, Pastor John? No, I just need to stop. What's, what's going on? Ach, no, I just need a rest now. I'm going to just take a drink of water. Gonna, my mind starts to work now. And I'm going to just wait and get myself ready to ride up the hill. But in my spirit, man, the Lord said, stop. 
What's he doing? He's taking me from my rest and recreation. And suddenly he's saying the world system is about to bring some interference into your life that is going to change everything. Stop. If you stop, I protect you. Or somebody else comes up to me and says, Pastor John, can we just stop for a minute? What's happening? I'm just tired. No, no, let's push. Let's push. Now, if that's a natural or fit thing or fitness, let's say we must, we must push to get fit. No problem. But if there's something else that's going on, then it's time to just stop. Can you explain it? No. Because the center of God the local church, the local body is all work. So here's what happens. As you become more aware of your responsibility to other people, God will you become, make you more aware of his responsibility that he has towards you. And as you become responsible for others, his responsibility to you begins to show up all the time in little ways like stop. Hallelujah. I've shared this example with you before. And uh, I'm nearly finished here. I've got one more scripture to read to you. But I've shared this example with you. I was riding back from a church service here with Brother Joe McCroskey. And we were riding back to Johannesburg. To He was going to go and stay in the hotel there. And we were riding back. And it was after a night service. And so let's say it was half past nine, 10 o'clock at night. And we were heading on our way back to Johannesburg. And I'm riding in the right-hand lane. Well, everybody will know that on the road, on the Johannesburg Whitbank Road via Benoni, which I think is called the R12, that road has a lot of coal trucks on it. So a safe place to ride more safe than the left-hand side is in the right-hand lane. And so we're riding in the right, the right-hand lane. And just without explanation, just an instinct in me, just moved into the left-hand lane. Not a coincide, not behind me, not in front of me. Not a coincide. Just moved over to the left-hand lane. About a kilometer later, truck stopped, no, no triangles, no visibility, no lights, coal truck, it's black everywhere. Anything that would be a reflector wasn't even showing on that truck. At 120, there was no ways that I was stopping that I would have hit that truck. Me and Brother Joe unlikely would be around today. We tried to stop two assignments. Brother Jerry's, three assignments. Brother Jerry's, Brother Joe's. Mine and potentially yours. Because there was a stop truck in the middle of the road. When we went past that truck, Joe and I both immediately, instinctively, by the Spirit of God, began to praise God that I moved over to the left-hand lane. Because Joe said, John, if you hadn't moved over, that can only be, that is the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we began to praise Him and worship Him and give Him thanks because right there He saved our lives like that. How is it that you can be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Because I'm responsible for you. I take my responsibility for you, not just because I'm the watchman of your soul, but I'm also a member of this body. 
Halleluja. So you have to be careful that when you're at a particular, in doing a certain thing in life, that you don't mix your assignments. Because even though I have a relationship, I have a relationship with Pastor Sharon and a strong connectedness to her. There's a moment for me to be talking to her about buying stuff at Woolworths. And even though Matt is on assignment with me, doing this stuff together, there's a moment we have to talk about that. I can't mix up the times of things because then I'm confusing everybody. But what happens if that became my regular behavior pattern? That every time I came into church here and I stood in the pulpit, you suddenly see me phoning people and making other things happen. What, what, what are you going to think about my assignment? Come on now. You're going to, I mean, the most basic thing is you're going to say, Pastor John's a bit confused about why he's here and why we're here. Right? And then so you might give me a little bit of latitude for a while that he's a bit confused, maybe he'll come right. Yes? But if I keep doing that, then eventually you're going to say, mm, I'm not going to waste my time going to that church because he spends half his service dealing with issues he should have done somewhere else. Right? And then I would, I would say to you also, you should go. Because that's not the way you conduct yourself when you're focused on what God needs you to be focused on. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, I'll talk, some t- I'll talk a little bit about relationships because it's, the, it's, the, it's how you relate, how you connect with one another and how you see the church and your connectedness to the church with your calling and with your gifting that actually you become a whole person. You cannot grow into the fullness of your life and the wholeness of your life without the church, without the relationships, your relatedness to the church, both with your person, your walk with God, and with your gift, and with your calling, and with your talent. So, your wholeness, your fullness, the strength of your life actually all comes out of your walk with God and your connectedness, not just to the congregation, but to the understanding that together we have a lot of stuff to do. And I'm going to finish my message now with this passage of Scripture that I'm going to read to you. Now remember, next week, what I did with the phone calls here is small drama compared to what I'm going to show you next week. (laughs) Next week, it's going to be a high drama. And you, people from Joburg who are not here today and other places, for convenience sake or whatever other plans that you made that are more important than coming to church, change them. Get here. Yeah. For for a few months now or a few weeks, we're inconvenienced because we're building the auditorium there. So sorry. 
the farmers here were in, have been inconvenienced for 11 years. You can't be inconvenienced for a couple of months? No, but you don't know how busy or how, how important, anything more important than this Ecclesia moment? You want to really tell me this is more, that what you're doing out there is more important than this Ecclesia, this connectedness? You're just telling me I want to keep dislocating my finger. Anybody that's had a dislocation will tell you it's not fun. Unless you do it so much that you become, you can almost do it at will and your joint becomes uh, like hardened to it, in which case you're even in a worse position because you don't even know you're dislocating anymore. Until you try and put some strength there and you find, oh, I'm dislocated. And that moment could be a life, a life altering moment or a life strategic moment when you need the strength of your thumb and suddenly it's dislocated and you didn't know that you were dislocated. It's even worse. It's not a good sign if you've become comfortable with dislocation. It's a bad sign. It's not healthy for you. Come on, all of you should say right now, we still love you, Pastor John. <laughs> Because what I'm telling you is the truth. And I would not be following God if I wasn't here right now in this moment, in this beginning of 2022, where God is about and has already started opening. He's giving us the extended hand of God's favor towards us. And he's asking us to go big and bold in 2022, more than we were last year, because he's doing something powerful in this ecclesia to govern, to show all of the beings in the, in the universe that this ecclesia knows who they are in Christ Jesus and they know who they are together in Christ Jesus. And right now, because of this message, right now, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all the great clouds of witnesses are saying, watch this church. With this message in this church, this is what it's all about. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter four. Verse 17, so I finish with this. This I say therefore, after everything I've preached today, I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. So don't walk like all of the other Whitbankers walk. Don't like walk like all the other Joburgers walk. Don't walk like all of your friends walk. How do they walk? Well, they make decisions to go on holiday whenever they want to. They make decisions how they want to make decisions for themselves, by themselves, with themselves. That's most convenient for them. They have no conviction about how they live their lives. Their only conviction is the oneness of themselves. Don't walk like that. In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, how? By oneness with themselves and not connectedness to the church. Being alienated from the life of God. Come on, I've just got through the whole length telling you that even Christians who are born again, maybe even spiritual Christians, can cut over themselves from the church. Alienate themselves from what they're supposed to be in God. And the best scenario is a dislocation. The worst thing is a dismemberment. 
because of their ignorance that is in them, because they don't see what God has actually called them to be and how mighty and majestic and awesome God is and can be in you and wants to be through you. Because of the blindness of their heart, because what your heart chooses, your mind justifies. It's not an intellectual process. It's a choice of I do want God or I don't want God. I want what God wants for my life or I don't. It's a heart choice. And then your mind gets involved to justify what you choose in your heart. Because out of your heart flow all the issues of life. Out of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling, they don't even feel for the fact that they don't do things for the church anymore, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work of all uncleanness and greediness. You might get away with lewdness, which otherwise is lasciviousness or just immoral way of living. You might get away with that or you might say work of uncleanness but a lot of stuff comes in the category of uncleanness. But almost certainly most of us are going to get caught with the last one, which is greediness. Because you don't have to have a lot of money to be greedy for it. In fact, you can have a very little bit of money and be very greedy for money. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Come on. Talk to me for a minute. If you live as a lifetime of, lifestyle of convenience, that you see the church as a congregation, rather than a lifestyle of conviction, where you see the church as an ecclesia where God wants you to rule and show his government on the earth. That is a former man. And God is saying, I want you to put off the former man and his former conduct that has been grown, that grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. You know what a lust is? It's an imitation of love. So what you have as a feeling of love is also very closely aligned to a feeling of lust. And most of the world thinks love is lust. It's so close. Because that's the deception of the world. I really want to kiss you. Why do you want to kiss me so bad? Because I love you. So, oh, you love me. So you want to kiss me. What about maybe I lust you, so I want to kiss you? No, 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 I don't lust you. Really? I can't wait to kiss you. I'm being very basic about this. Hey, no. And let me just, just by the way, you don't have to be single to have that. You can be married. It's 
quiet in here now. <laughs> I'm going to move on from that. From the deceitful lusts, and it covers a lot of stuff, not just what I've described now. It covers a lot of stuff. Lust for cars, lust for houses, lust, lust for a way of life, lust for other things. Deceitfulness of the lusts that consume your life. And so put away all that stuff and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Where's that other? No, don't worry about it. In the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It's a choice of your heart that you put on a new man and you say, from my heart inwards, I will be in the church and be convicted. And and this will be a conviction of my life that I will live connected to the church. And if you are going to become disconnected from the church that God's called you to be part of, then actually you should go to the members of the church and you should say, I'm leaving. And here's why I want to leave. I'm taking my gift and my calling with me. And they should all preside over your gifts and your callings. And they should witness with the fact that God is actually releasing you into a different body. That is not something that should happen very easily. That is something that should be a life decision. No, I don't like what you just said, Pastor John, because now I can't just leave when I want to. Good. You are now responsible for it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Next week, when I have some drama here, I'm going to talk to you about the cage of oneness that you can see through your cage of your oneness into your future and into your life and into the things. You can have a vision for your life in the cage of your oneness. And I'm going to show you what that means to you and what that does to you. And we're going to have some drama around that next week. So you can't just take this one message or last week's message and this week's message and say, I'm going to live my life by these two messages. There's still two more to come at least. And I can't get to the fourth one until I got to the third one because I have to have some drama so that you will understand the power of what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. The good news is that you're here today. And the good news is that you heard this message today. It's also bad news for you because you're now responsible to hear this message and live this message and do this message. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Won't you all stand with me, please? Glory to God. Please put your hand on your heart like this. I would like you to just say this with me. I thank you, Lord. That you are my Savior. I am a son of God. I live with you. I live in you. And I live for you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
You know, if you believe that statement right there and then God says, hey, come. I, you know, I don't want to preach anymore. I have to let you go. But you know, Jesus died for all of your sins, your past sins. I read that today. Your past sins, present sins, and future sins. He, the Bible says he remembers them. No more. So he can't be outside of time and live into your time, even into your future sins, and see your sin in the future. Because it's only in your future. He's outside of time. He's already seen the whole thing. So the only thing, the only thing that he's got to do with you is all of the choices you make with him in your heart for the ecclesia, for his purposes, for his plans, for his assignment. And whenever you come to him and you say, I'm yours, you're mine. He says, okay, let's walk together. Let's work together. And I'll use all of those seeds that were sown and I will start to create your future to be in line with my plans. Because he makes all things to turn to your certain good. For those who are called, who love him and are called according to his purpose. He turns all things, all things into your certain good. Because you love him, later to him. And I'm living according to his purpose. So can you pray that prayer if you don't love him? No, you can ask him to help the love grow in your heart and he'll do that because he sent you the helper. Is he, uh, does that scripture apply for, for those that are doing their own purpose? He's going to turn everything to your good if you love him and are called according to his purpose. Then everything becomes good in your life. Hallelujah. Can I pray for you? Father, I just pray that once again this message will transform us, change us, cause us to come up to the fullness of everything that you have for us in our lives. I pray that this, your people, will go out into, their, into the world that they are a part of because that wherever they're going to live and do and be what they must be, that you, you save them from the evil one. Even though they live in an evil world, you save them from the evil one. And I pray, Father, that you bless them, you protect them, and I pray that you provide abundantly above all that they could ask or think for them in their lives. Provide them not only with finances, but that purpose, that understanding of that calling, the understanding of ecclesia, the understanding of what you have designed as your body to function on the earth. I pray that peace comes upon them. Not the peace that the world gives, but that peace that is outside of any of the circumstances that they experience. I pray, Lord, finally, that you protect them in their physical bodies, their possessions, their health, their well-being. I ask you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you agree with my prayer, you can say amen. amen. Do you receive it? Yes. Say amen. Amen. Be conviction about it. Say. Amen. That's better. Before you go, you must say at least to one or two people, you've got to do what the pastor says this week. 
Bye, everybody.